It's football and other F-words. I'm Zach Lyons. You can follow me on X at F-words pod. He's Mike Kerndon. You can follow him on X at Mike Kerndon NFL. Mike, we need to get something behind your head. Not saying that yeah. has to be a bookcase, but you need you got too much blank space back there. We need to get you something behind your head back there. The, so the, the problem the problem is, so my desk is too close to this wall. So if I lean back and I have anything behind me, uh, I'm going to hit it. And I'm going to knock it maybe off I'll the wall get you, on my own. Maybe head. you can move. Do you still have your Yancey Thigpen jersey? Maybe you can frame it and put it behind you. I do have my Yancey Thigpen jersey. Um, Problem I'm not solved. spending the money that it, that it would cost to frame that motherfucker. <laughs> Problem solved. Uh, as you can see behind me, I'm already started decorating for Christmas. I got three Christmas movie Funkos out. I got Batman. Or I got Gremlins over here. Got Batman Returns over here. Die Hard. And right there. And then I have uh, the University of Memphis, as I am like confusing myself. University of Memphis, a <laughs> uh, little hat over here. Three I Christmas like movies. I, like I got a fourth coming. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Getting in the spirit of the holiday season. Uh, Bluegrass Beverages, speaking of holidays, go to Bluegrass Beverages, get you a gift card for that special loved one. Put it in a card, put it in their stocking. Um, Give the gift of booze. Give the gift of making yourself and other people around your family members tolerable by going to Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Get you a gift card. Get you some airplane bottles for stocking stuffers. And get everybody drunk and happy for the holiday season. Uh, Mike, I just want to jump right into it. The rumors are flowing. Um, rumors has also caught on as a term. And uh, so much like uh, Dehenber, much like Henuary. Here we go. We have another trade again. We we are the uh, the nickname kings of football and other f words here, sure. and um, I I've talked a lot about it. I talked about it on the football show on Monday. I've written about it on stackinginbox.com. I have a few new thoughts on it, but you've been kind of silent on the subject. Now we have been in a couple of group chats together with local media members and and other analysts and all this kind of stuff. So we, we have, a, we're a little privy to a little bit more information than the normal uh, people, but I've talked about that with Braden, but you've been kind of quiet out there. What are your yeah. thoughts on all these rumors? I, I guess. So part of the reason why I'm not saying is the anything is that it's all conjecture. It's all speculation at this point. It's, you know, there's mixed reporting, all this other stuff. There's trends in the reporting for sure. But I also guess I don't really give a fuck until something actually happens. Like he either goes or he doesn't. Right. I mean, like, Do you I don't think know. you think that way because the Titans suck so bad and you are just so checked out on the Tennessee Titans. I mean, quite possibly uh, <laughs> that, that may be affecting things. It's like, well, this team stinks. Uh, whether whether Rand Carthon and Vrabel are buddies or not doesn't really affect whether this team stinks or not. I mean, I I don't know. I guess their performance in offseason number one, whether they were holding hands in the hallways or high-fiving or whatever uh, they needed to be doing was fine. Like, they, they found some good players. They found some not good players. Um, they didn't give out any truly horrendous contracts. I think Dillard's contract, you know, obviously isn't good, but it's – you know, you can get out of it after one year, and we knew that going into it. Um, and then the draft, I mean, they they played. There were snaps, and I mentioned this in my article at PK.com this week. There were snaps this week where there were five rookies on the field together for the Titans at the same time, which I would almost bet that there's no other NFL team 
and I, I, I'm not going to go back and watch every other NFL team to, to see if there's a snap where there's five rookies on the field together for an offense, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe, I would, I can't imagine that there's somebody else that is playing, you know, Jalen Duncan, Peter Skaronsky, you're starting left side of your offensive line, you're starting quarterback, you're, you're tight end, uh, you're running back, all at the same time, all rookies, like half your team on the field right now is, is you know, drafted rookies uh, from, from this year's draft. So I, I honestly think that the draft class so far is really encouraging. Um, so I guess part of me is just like, I don't give a shit how how it's working just that it's working right i mean at the end of the day like i don't think we're don't ever care gonna how know. The, you don't care how the cow gets onto the, your plate as a steak you just know the steak is good that's right yeah that's what that's what i really care about and look i to me I, you know and I, I listened to a football show and everything uh on monday and i did i don't see this turning into a thing where like variable's gone and carthon are gone this off season. Like, I just don't see that. I think everyone's going to be back. I just, I don't think anything's going to happen. I think everyone. Be- and I'm with you. I, I am with you. Like, yeah. I don't think anything's going to happen, yeah. but I think you have to allow for the possibility that the Patriots are trying really hard. Let me say this because the whole article and we'll get to like paywalls and hit pieces and points of articles and all this stuff. But the whole point of this article by Greg Bedard was about Gerard Mayo as the coach in waiting. And if for something, other things you need to consider, like Mike Vrabel's presence. And if the if the Patriots are really all in on Gerard Mayo, there would not be so much smoke and fire surrounding them wanting to trade for Mike Vrabel. So, like, it's a possibility, but I just don't think that, that the cards and the steps to get to there are actually going to happen. And at this point, I feel like everybody in the Nashville media must think the same way because nobody's asking Mike Vrabel about this, right? Like nobody's on a presser asking. So they must all feel the same way, which I kind of have always felt the same way too, is that, yeah, it's a possibility that Vrabel gets traded. It's a possibility that maybe he leaves for Ohio State. But at this point, the the biggest possibility and the most large possibility is that he's back, Rand's back, and at some point, they have some tea together and some crumpets and, you know, fuck a figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I that's ultimately what I think is going to happen anyways. Like, because my read of the situation is, yes, the Patriots would love to have Mike Vrabel. And I don't think that there's any doubt about that because, look, Gerard Mayo, I think, is well thought of in New England, all that shit. He's never been a head coach before, right? Like, the, you're taking a risk because he's never been a head coach before. Mike Vrabel, as much as Titans fans hate Mike Vrabel right now and whatever, you know, I, I think y'all are crazy to hate Mike Vrabel um, because most of you would crawl over broken glass to, to hire Sean McVay right now. And Sean McVay is having the same season Mike Vrabel is right now, because guess what? His roster sucks. And we've talked about that before. Um, But to me, this is very clearly the Patriots would love to have Mike Vrabel if they could get him without giving it and they're not going to trade their number two overall pick or whatever they're going to end up with. No, they're going to trade not, bill yeah. and trade those picks for Vrabel. Yeah, that's, may, like, maybe. Yeah. that's what has to happen though. That's yeah. why this is so unlikely is that like, they're going to have to trade bill Belichick, find a team willing to trade for bill Belichick to get enough picks to turn around and trade for Mike Vrabel. That's so many steps in the NFL, two coaches, yeah. 
Like that doesn't, it's just yeah, two coach so trades in the same off season involving the same team would be insane. Um, and I, I, I don't think the Titans want to move him is the other thing. That's the other part of this. I think the Titans and specifically Amy and Adam strong, because she is ultimately who the only, who the only person whose opinion matters in this whole fucking thing is Amy Adam strong. She is the one who will hire or fire Mike Vrabel at this point uh, or keep him around or fire him. Right. So I, to me, it, her opinion is all that matters. And to me, when she fired John Robinson last year, while they were in first place coming off of, you know, six straight winning seasons, all this other stuff. Uh, she told you that she thinks Mike Vrabel is part of the answer, not the problem. Um, Cause otherwise she would have cleaned house last off season, right? Like she w- believes in Mike Vrabel and she should, We've seen Mike Vrabel have good seasons with a roster that has never been like the fact that they got the one seed with Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback and, you know, just a limited team generally like that. That team was not, you know, the Eagles or the Chiefs or or any of these other teams. And it's not Mike Vrabel's fault. They did not have super talented players. A.J. Brown, super talented. Derrick Henry, super talented. That's about it, like on offense at least. And then defensively, they had a you know a couple guys, obviously. But um, it's not like this was some dream team that that he took to a one seed, right? So I, I think we've seen him succeed with m- mediocre to above average rosters, um, and we still haven't seen him with an elite quarterback. Like I think you give him an elite quarterback, and and hey, maybe things are way different. Um, as far as the upside for this team and the way that he coaches as well, right? Because I think part of the gripes with Brable are that, you know, he's too conservative. He's he's trying to play to keep the game close. I think he's trying to play to keep the game close right now because he knows that his team would get blown the fuck out if he doesn't. Like, I think he's afraid of just going balls to the wall uh, in losing 49 to nothing because that is how he's going to lose his job, right? Is, is if it gets super ugly. Um, but yeah, I think that's where he is. I think if he had a better team, he'd be more aggressive. He, you know, he'd have different decisions on fourth downs, things like that. So, um, anyways, I, I think Vrabel's a good coach. I think the Titans want him there. Uh, I think they ultimately probably wouldn't trade him unless they just got blown do you away think by an he offer. Wants to be there. I don't know. I mean, yeah, if, that's a little I, iffy, right? Like when you really think about it. I'm not 100%. I, I think he wants to be a head coach in the NFL. I don't think he wants to go to college. And, and I know, like, if he was truly miserable with the Titans and just wanted to get out by any way, shape, or form, then Ohio State may be in a landing place for him, right? But I don't think he wants to deal with NIL and the transfer portal and all the recruiting bullshit that you have to do as a college coach. I I don't think he has a lot of patience for that kind of shit. Um and I think he probably enjoys coaching grown men. Like, I, I think that is probably more in Vrabel's wheelhouse um, than trying to, you know, fucking make sure that, you know, Johnny wide receiver is the 19 year old isn't out at the bar the night before they're supposed to play Michigan or, you know, whatever, whatever's happening on his roster, any drama. Do what that, he did with Isaiah Wilson. Just yeah. Do whatever the fuck he wants, I guess. Yeah. Um, just get, get rid of him as soon as possible. So there was a couple things in that piece by Greg Bedard. And, you know, the, the biggest thing for me was I didn't agree with the 
notion that like he had a bad job performance in San Francisco. And that got brought up on Jared Stillman's show with Greg Bedard. And I, and, and he fumbled his words. He, the, what he mentioned and said, first off was like, it had something to do with the scouts. Like either Carthon didn't get along with his own scouts, or maybe he ruffled feathers on other team scouts when they're out at the senior bowl or out somewhere. I don't know. He didn't really, that's what he said. And he says, just very minor. The words he used did not make it minor. And that I, we'll get into the editors in just a second. But PK this morning echoed the same thing, said, I've heard the same stuff. And I've talked to a guy, the guy that I've talked to doesn't have a connection one way or another to hating or loving Rand Carthon. This is his connections are that he also alluded that Joe has heard the same stuff. So there is some rumblings around Rand Carthon and the scouting community. All that to say, Go listen to PK's spot on Robbie and Rex Road. It's the first three segments at the 8 o'clock hour. And I think they usually put that episode or that segment in its own podcast form. And I know PK usually tweets it. Go listen to that to hear more about kind of clarifying, but also uh, taking to task poor written words. And... Joe had brought up a big point that I want to bring up to everybody. It's not that everybody listens to Robbie and Rexer, and I don't really want to spend too much more time on this subject. So there's other stuff I'm talking about. But he he brought up the fact that this is why you have editors. Now, stacking the inbox, Boston Sports Journal is a bigger version of stacker stacking the inbox, right? It's like it's basically PK, but it's the Boston Sports Journal. Now, PK doesn't have an editor, and sometimes that that gets them. But this guy obviously does not have an editor. And Joe said that when you put in a line like that, usually your editor comes to you, finds out more about the information, finds out, and probably at that instance, your editor would just take that out. So there, that's just a different side of things. It's not to excuse putting in something as ridiculous as that, but someone told him that because someone has told PK the same thing. They're, and they're not the same source from what I gather. So there is something out there, but it sounds to me like it's super minor. So something that we don't need to worry about. And that's exactly what I said, because I didn't believe that part to begin with. PK did say that the he took it a different direction than what is alluded to in the article, but heavy hand in the selection of Rand Carthon process. He said, of course, the league is involved in the hiring of a GM because who else is she going to lean on? She has no football people in her executive council, I guess you could say. And Mike Vrabel wasn't brought in until the very end. Like, Burke yeah. Nihil, not a football guy. Uh, Adolfo Birch, not a football guy. Like, there are no football guys or women or people that are in there that know, that have experience and connections to GMs. She couldn't lean on Ryan Calden, right? Because he was interviewing for the job. But, like, that would be the guy you'd kind of lean on. So... Of course, she lead on the lead. Now, that's the direction that he took it, but he did say, you know, Fritz Pollard Alliance sends things out. She's been to um, those minority summits, and the league also has representatives at the minority summits, and they know that she needs a GM. But it does not necessarily mean that they forced her to pick Rand Carthon or this, but they did help her along the process. He said that's just probably, you know, for this instance, for this owner, she probably leaned on the league to get this decision because we've all thought that Rand Carthon's qualified. We all knew that Rand Carthon has worked his way up and deserved it. 
now does is that what Greg Bedard means? I don't know, but that's that's what PK said. My last thing on this to end and tie it up with a bow is that the people who think this was a hit piece for on Ran for the people that think this was done for clickbait, it was an article about Gerard Mayo. So when Greg Bedard tweets it out, talks about it, sends his subscribers a thing, the big topic is about Gerard Mayo. That's what the title is about. It's like Gerard Mayo and maybe Mike Vrabel. It's not about Rand Carthon. Now, he made it about Rand Carthon because he wrote about Rand Carthon, but it was that one segment. But it's not for Tennessee Titans clickbait. It's not for national clickbait. It's not for anybody other than Patriots fans. And the only reason I found it is because someone else shared a piece of Joe's article from Sunday evening. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting quote in Joe's article. Let me go find out more about what Greg Bedard said. And then it came back to this article. And then I put it up there. And if, you, if I hadn't used archive.is, which I recommend that you guys do, um, nobody would probably know that this even existed. So it's not clickbait. It's not a hit piece. It is a guy that has sources, maybe one source on some of this stuff, and typed, and he has no editor and just typed it up. And I think he should have left a lot of it out because that's what a good journalist would do. He's apparently very well respected by many people. So I don't think it was done with malicious intent or to gain subscribers from Tennessee Titans fans. Like, what are you going to go pay $7? And then, you know, come on. Like, nobody's going to go pay $7 for that article. So it does, all of that to say, it does not benefit anybody other than the Patriots fans that may be reading it and be excited that, like, hey, maybe we'll get Vrabel. Because he did say on on Jared's show that all of this talk stemmed from Mike Vrabel's visit at the Ring of Honor. Like, a lot of this stuff comes from that visit. A lot of this is a lot of the wording and it comes from that now a lot of people say that oh mike Vrabel's not going to go tell people that you know Rand sucks or whatever and maybe maybe not you don't know what Vrabel says in a box when he's getting toasted because i'm sure he's drinking up there and celebrating having a good time you don't know what these guys say like we don't know that now that's just to put it there there is a comment in this section in our chat, and I encourage everybody to put the chat because I do read it, even though I don't get to all the comments. I King Carnage, everyone bitched and complained about Tannehill and other players for years. Not their act now, I think it meant now. Now they're acting like Vrabel didn't elevate mediocre talent. And that ties into a couple of different things. And I want to get to the state of the roster just real quick because we kind of talked about that we think this is a J Rob issue mainly. But on stacking inbox last week, I went through about 19 players that this team has drafted, elevated beyond what they could be. I went through 19 of them. And then that's not including guys like Ryan Tannehill that they elevated um, and other veterans that came in. Like Kenny Vaccaro had some of the best years of his, his life here, but I don't really count that. But I'm just saying that Kenny Vaccaro did take a step up. Under Mike Vrabel, so players do take a step up when they are getting here. So my thing is, is that like I think that's a complete farce, and and I think one of the best examples is Will Levis. But we'll get to that in a minute. I want to talk about just real quick the disconnect at the end of the J. Rob and Vrabel era because everybody's like, well, surely J. Rob listened 
to Vrabel and Vrabel had his input heard and Vrabel's involved in all these decisions. We talked about Diana Rossini and it is a well-known fact that her source is allegedly Mike Vrabel or allegedly someone inside the Mike Vrabel circle of trust. Yeah. Putting together context clues, you can yeah. pretty, pretty well tell that she's talking to Vrabel and or stretch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like someone like that. Yeah. So, there was a time when the Julio Jones saga was going on that Diana went on Buck's show and said something through the effect the Titans aren't interested. I wouldn't expect Julio Jones and the Tennessee Titans uh, to team up in blah, 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 blah. Like, she didn't expect the team to sign them. She didn't expect there to be major interest, all this stuff. Well, who do you think fed her that? And then not a couple of weeks later, boom, Julio Jones is there. J-Rob is not passing everything through Vrabel at his time there. That was not going on. So no, I, I don't think uh, he asked his opinion on stuff, but let's be honest. This is a J-Rob made roster for about 75% of the people on here. And it's and some of the decisions they've had to make are cleaning up his mistakes. And yeah, I don't think Vrabel was on the boat with John Robinson out on Percy Priest or whatever, whenever he was making the the Julio phone calls, right? Um, but no, I I don't think Vrabel had a ton of say because I think he very clearly that vi- the famous video with him reacting to the AJ Brown trade that is a dude that is pissed off and is like, okay, I guess we're really gonna do this, huh? Um, to me, that that tells me everything about their situation as far as who had control of the roster and whether or not Vrabel's input mattered because I mean, he also famously went on Rich Eisen's show and said, as long as I'm the head coach here, AJ Brown's going to be on the Titans. Right. I mean, he was adamant. He didn't have to go that hard. He didn't have to say, you know, all he could have just said, all, you know, his standard, you know, all of our players, you know, are, are here and under contract and AJ's under contract. And I expect him to be here as long as that's the case, you know, which is kind of a a standard variable answer for him to go out and say, no, he's going to be on this team. As long as I'm the head coach tells me he did not want to trade AJ and he, he certainly didn't look like he wanted to trade him in that room. So if, if Robinson is, going against the hard what i would expect to be given his reaction a hard recommendation from mike vrabel that do not do this do not trade aj we need him then he's not listening to him on anything right like that would be a huge thing where you like that that was obviously a franchise changing moment uh for the worse obviously as we know now um but it was to me, very clear that Mike Vrabel did not want that, and it was over his objections that that happened. So, to me, if you want to hang the roster on Vrabel, I think you're reaching. I think you you don't like Vrabel, and you're reaching to try to find other things to make him look worse. Which I, I just I don't think that's reality. I, I think the reality is John Robinson ran this team from a roster standpoint until he was fired, and now. Vrabel probably does have a much bigger role. Um, and maybe maybe Vrabel is, you know, the primary, uh, you know, guy in, in charge of the roster even. You know, I, 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 we don't know how the, the power is split, but we know that Mike Vrabel has more power now than he used to. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between having power and ha- having 
someone take your suggestions. I think right. that's the I think that's the ultimate uh, differentiation between the two things. Um, but speaking of players that are developed and everything, are 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 developing. But tell the two offensive linemen for this Sunday versus the Panthers and Raidens and Duncan. And there are people that are still clinging to this hope that Dylan Raidens is anything more than a utility guy. And they are people that have entrenched themselves into not being allowed. I guess they are, they're not allowed to change their mind, presented new information, right? Like to me, I've changed my mind about Will Levis. Now I could sit here and try to nitpick everything that Will Levis does to make myself look better. But ultimately, I have to say that I think Will Levis is a very good quarterback and, and is is worthy of being built around. And I was wrong about my pre-draft evaluation so far. Story's not written. But there are people that still think that Dylan Radins is a fantastic tackle. And I said it on a football show last Thursday. Uh, he has a worse sack rate than... Uh, Andre Dillard, or no, he has a worse sack rate than Dennis Daly at tackle. He has a worse pressure rate than both Dennis Daly and Andre Dillard at tackle. And this is not including right tackle. This was at left. Right tackle wasn't any better. (laughs) And I think it's safe to say, for those that think the Tennessee Titans do not develop players, do not put players in position to succeed, that John Robinson's overdraft of Dylan Radins, that the the coaching staff got it right in trying to make him work as a guard. Yeah. That is what he is. He is not a tackle in the NFL. He would not start at tackle for any other team. He probably wouldn't start at guard for many teams if their starting five were healthy. Like, if you're taking their starting five, a healthy starting five, and saying, Dylan Radins, go out and beat one of these five people for the job, I don't think he's doing it on anywhere except for maybe the Panthers. (laughs) And and even then, that's still not going to be a good offensive line. And two things can be true. Two things can be true. Dylan Radins is probably one of your best options on this offensive line, and finding a spot for him is better than keeping him on the bench. And that's still not good enough. <laughs> like, that's still not good yeah. enough. Because this, this offensive line is pretty bad. Now, listen, if Chris Hubbard gets – if Chris Hubbard were to be healthy – and now that we've seen from Jalen Duncan, who the who the Titans have developed to look like a okay so far left tackle, that is a six round draft pick with shorter than average arms and elite athleticism and very raw. They've done that. Like that's the coaching staff, guys. Like when you praise Jalen Duncan, because I've seen fans say, uh, I don't know, they may have something in Jalen Duncan. You know who makes you think that? besides obviously Jalen Duncan himself and his performance, the coaches that got him prepared, the coaches that are developing him. I think you're wrong to think that for right now. Uh, But I look at Will Levis. That's another example of a a player being developed by this coaching staff. Like there, there's uh, analysts out there that don't trust Mike Vrabel to coach up a, a young quarterback. He shouldn't be giving the reins to a young quarterback. Why not? Look at what he's done with Will Levis. And he it's a quarterback-friendly system that kind of protects the quarterback and asks him to make good, sound decisions. But why can't he? Where is this proof that he cannot do it? Because all I've got is proof that he can develop a quarterback because Will Levis looks better than what he did in college. Yeah. And Tennessee Titans are responsible for that. 
the work that Will Levis and is putting in with Charles London, because it takes two to tango, right? The player has to put in the work and the staff has to develop them. That is a match made in heaven. Charles London and Will Levis are a match made in heaven and they are working every day, all the time to get better. Well, th that's the staff developing them. But I want to ask you, Raiden's Duncan. Who do you think had the better day? Duncan, easily. Yeah, <laughs> easily. Right. It wasn't close. I mean, Raiden's, this was this was the game, and I, I've been somebody who's asked for the opportunity to see Raiden's at tackle just because the other tackles have been so bad, and it's been kind of a, you know, he's had some moments where maybe he didn't look so bad at tackle and, and stuff like that. I'm out. I'm completely out, 100% out. He cannot play tackle at the NFL level. He's, he's got the same issues that he had as a rookie. So you know, we're now in year three with Dylan Radins. The, this and we know that he – I wouldn't say that he lacks effort, but do you remember a couple of years ago during the offseason, maybe it was just last year, and PK was talking about, like, passion, fire, fighting for a spot, and, like, he just had none of it? Like in his yeah. answers and stuff, standing over there by the fan on the sidelines and stuff like that. Yeah, I yeah I remember that stuff. I I think I Raiden's he's still the same guy. I mean, he has balance issues. He's he's just, and I just don't think that can get better at this point. Because if it hadn't got better in three years, and, and I I know like you know development whatever, but other guys have gotten better. Nate Davis got much much better during his time here. Um, like you said, Jalen Duncan has already shown flashes that, hey, he might actually be able to play. Um, you know, I think Skaronsky's gotten better. Skaronsky's pitched back-to-back -back shutouts from a pressure standpoint uh, the last two weeks. Hey, hey, hey. Stillman says because he tripped that one time that he's not good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he tripped while trying to pull. Yeah, it's never happened to an offensive lineman before. Um, but it, I, I think guys have gotten better. Aaron Brewer, while not – yeah, I don't. He's he's not an elite offensive lineman or center by any means. I don't even know if he should necessarily be a starter for a really good team. Um, but he's gotten better. Like he was an undrafted guy out of Texas State uh, that weighed 274 pounds, and they've turned him into a starting, not good, but a a not the worst starting center in the league. I mean, he's he's probably a middle of the pack, you know, 20 to 24 ish kind of level center. Uh, in the NFL, that's that's something, right? Um, so I do think that there's been some evidence of development. Um, and to me, Jalen Duncan, it, immediately, I, he, he looked a little bit rough the first couple snaps, which might have been just nerves with it being his first start. His I think that was the first time he'd actually played at home in Nissan Stadium. Um, but Duncan showed a little bit of nerves early, but he settled in. And I thought by the end of the game, he was playing really, really well. And, and he was matched up a lot with Brian Burns, who's obviously, you know, the Panthers' probably best defender, uh, definitely their best edge rusher. And he was holding his own. I mean, he, I, I highlighted uh, several of the reps in my piece for PK uh, this week, which is, is I mean, the whole focus of the article is on Jalen Duncan and, and what, what he did. So I watched him pretty intensely uh, on the All-22. And I thought he was really impressive. There are some things so like his arm length, I think is, is an issue and and it's something that could can, could hamper him 
as he tries to to grow into like more of an established starter. But he wasn't bad. Like he wasn't as bad as Andre Dillard. He wasn't as bad as Dylan Radins. He wasn't as bad as uh, Dennis Daly. Like he was probably the best tackle. <laughs> and he, was, he wasn't as bad as Nicholas Petit Frere either, by the way. Um, he was probably the best tackle that we've seen on the field for the Titans, maybe in <laughs> what, two years, <laughs> which is horribly sad. I, I don't know. Maybe Chris, Chris Hubbard was probably better than him for a few games there. Um, but anyways, I think there was enough that we saw out of Duncan in this game to feel like, okay, I want to see more. I think he belongs in the NFL. I don't know if he's like your franchise left tackle, uh, or anything like that just yet. Um, but I'll certainly look at him play for the next six games and see kind of how, uh, how things stack up, um, out of, out of Skaronsky and Duncan, we've got a question in here. Skaronsky has much shorter arms than Duncan. It's like a, an inch and a half, which in arm terms is is a lot. Uh, I think Skaronsky's what thirty two and an eighth or something like that. And Dilla, yeah. uh, or not Dilla. Duncan is um, thirty three and five eighths, I believe. Uh, so he's just under that thirty four inch threshold. Um, so it's not like he's got T Rex arms, but but they are smaller than average. I think he's like in the thirteenth percentile among tackles for for arm length. So. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of Duncan just yet, but I'm intrigued to see more. I guess it's kind of weird. Yeah, my right my thing is that I think I think Duncan could be your answer at right tackle next year, right? Like, Maybe. yeah, you know, why not keep him at left tackle, let him ride it out, and then you Duncan right now should not prevent you from drafting a, a stalwart left tackle, blue chip left tackle in the draft if you have the opportunity to do so. But if he can go to the right side, that solves another issue. And he did play in the right side. Now, he's never done it before, but he did play, and he looked fine. He looked better yeah. than Raidens did. You know, here's my thing, because someone said, uh, doesn't Raidens get the, and it's gone off the chat, but doesn't Raidens get the same eight-game buffer we afford Harold Landry coming off a torn ACL? If I, I think you afford Harold Landry that because you've seen Harold Landry play well. Yeah. I've never seen Dylan Raidens play well. No. And you can tout the San Francisco game all you want. He still allowed the most pressures on the team, if I'm not mistaken. It was like five or six 20... pressures. It was a lot of pressures yeah. he gave up in that game. Yeah, he already allowed 20 pressures this year already alone. I mean, and he's 24. on top of that, six yeah. freaking penalties already. Yeah. And he, he had six last year. So the penalties, to me, like that, the penalties have nothing to do with your injuries, but the penalties hurt this team just as much as letting a guy come through and, pressure the quarterback i mean especially a team like built like this so far so like i don't know i've seen enough of dylan radins over three years that like i i just don't think that i think he's like he's like dennis kelly like that is who he is he, yes and everybody can say dennis kelly you know he played really great in 2021 was that 2020 2019 2019 wasn't it yeah. well i thought when, when did we draft isaiah wilson because that's when he played the full season. 2020. Yeah, 2020. That's right. That's right. They so played the full season that year. Um, so, like, yeah, sure. Maybe he could do that and be okay, you know, for a season. But there's nobody, you know, there's nobody that you could ever want around. We and just I'd like to every I'd like everyone to apologize for asking about Raidens. Um I I mean, I I, I we were gonna talk about Raidens anyway. I don't know if he's alluding to someone in the chat, but we that was already on our plans. 
Or maybe I, he's talking about the I, media. No, asking. I, I think asking about why isn't he playing and stuff like that. Oh, and look, yeah, I maybe. think this does give Vrabel and the staff a little bit of like, to me, like this reinforces my faith in them a little bit as far as like they know what they're seeing in practice. And when they see a guy like Raiden's playing in practice and he stinks, and then you, you finally do get him out there and he stinks, it's like, okay, I get it. All right, you guys were right. Sorry move along, you know, like I, 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 and I think that's happened more often than not. I mean, there's some examples I'm sure uh, that are out there that of guys that they might've have, have missed. I, like Robert Spillane is, is a guy that like they cut, they probably should have kept, you know, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, I mean, Josh Reynolds, people talk about which, I, I, Josh, yeah. the Josh Spillane. Reynolds games. I'm so done with the Josh Reynolds thing. Like, he's no better than Nick Westbrook-Akina, who is still playing well, by the way. He was having a good – like, that catch he made against the Panthers where he plucked it off the turf, I mean, that's a, a fantastic catch. Um, and that's the kind of catch where, like, if Josh Reynolds makes it while the Lions are playing a primetime game, Titans fans freak out. About, it sure would be nice to have someone like Josh Reynolds. You do have someone like Josh Reynolds. He wears number 15. He's the exact same guy. Look, I'm sorry. The Lions just have a better offense. You know, like, come on. Uh, Mike, initially, when we you had your initial reaction after the Panthers game was that Will Levis had a good game yeah. and uh, you thought he played well. Now, he had some really big mistakes. That didn't really cost the team, but they would have cost the team against a different opponent. And and I can say cost mean prevent the team from winning. It wouldn't have been like an interception or anything or a fumble or anything like that. But so you got to make certain plays and certain reads a little bit better, you know, to score points, right? Yeah. So again, rookie growing pains. We both like Will Levis, so any critique is not to like bash Will Levis, but. His second half left a lot to be desired. Yeah. But I still see a guy week in and week out that I think with a better roster and more time in the system that you could still build around. Give me your thoughts. Do you still feel initially that Will Levis had a good game a couple days removed and haven't reviewed all 22? I thought he had a fantastic first half. I thought the second half was not very good. Um, missed and, and it wasn't like a process issue, which to me is, is, um, good because I thought there, he did a lot of things from a mental processing standpoint that I liked. He found open receivers. He just missed guys. He just flat out missed guys. And, and that hasn't been a massive issue with Levis. Like, I don't think he's the most pinpoint accurate thrower, uh, in, in the world, but he's not that's not been something where he's consistently missing guys. I think his CPOE, which is completion percentage over expectation was, it was still in the positive. Uh, last time I checked it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's been pretty good. So I, I, I don't really view that as a huge red flag. I mean, sure. You would love to see him hit that throw to DeAndre Hopkins hit. Uh, there was a few other ones. He could have hit that throw to, to Kyle Phillips, I think where he missed him wide. Um, there was a few things, there was several misses, honestly, in the, in the second half, um, that you would like to see him hit, but I don't know. I watched that game and I came away thinking like, Will Levis and Bryce Young are kind of, I don't know. I'm not sure who I would want more right now. And, and I know Bryce Young's in a terrible situation too, but 
it's not like Levis is over here playing with the Eagles, right? I mean, everything that you can say about well, Bryce let's Young. Let's be honest, though. When the, the game plan for your their opposing defenses is to bracket and double-team Adam Thielen, I think you're on a, the worst roster maybe in the entirety of the NFL history. Like, this feels like bottom-of-the-barrel, worst offensive roster ever, especially with the injuries on the offensive line. It's bad, but but... I will say Thielen has been good for them this year. Um, and and look, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, but again, doesn't that say DeAndre a lot Hopkins, about everything? Adam Thielen. Like, I, th- I feel like those Aww. two guys are not like that different. Um, they're both older guys. They're more possession receivers at this point. I think Hopkins is better, but I, I don't know that it's like some massive gap, right? Adam Thielen, DeAndre um, Hopkins, both the same uh, wide not receiver. Not the same guy. Hopkins is better, but he's not. It's not like he's light years better than than Thielen and look there's nothing else there's nothing else on the Titans the offensive line sucks the Panthers offensive line sucks worse or either that or at least the Titans have a better defensive line than the Panthers um it was nice to see Arden Key uh wake up uh <laughs> finally well, that, also. Well, he goes into hyper uh, I think he announced that he's seen his shadow he goes back into hyper uh, okay. for the next seven weeks uh, fuck yeah it was nice <laughs> to see him I, I had missed nice him yeah uh, you know, I want to I want to talk about that because I've heard a lot of people say, well, this is a get right game and the vibes are high. The energy is high and all this stuff. Um, here, here's my thing. Is that this this team still only won by seven to one of the worst rosters in the NFL at home at home in magical Nissan Stadium at the magical Nissan Stadium. This this team is about to go up against a better offensive line at the Indianapolis Colts, mm-hmm. a better offensive unit at the Indianapolis Colts. So I can't call this a get-right game. No. Uh, I, 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 I don't see why anybody would even throw that out there because you have no clue if it's a get-right game. Because this team has shown that after a get-right game and what we all think is a get-right game, they fall flat on their fucking face. And part of that is the defense falls flat on their face. And look, the, the defense is they got the Dylan Raidens of cornerbacks over there and Christian Fulton who cannot quit getting penalties, stupid penalties that hurt this team. And on third down, like it's utterly like all of Dylan Raidens penalties feel like they're on first down, which sets your team back for the offense. And on defense, all of the stuff is is on third down with Christian Fulton and a couple other players. And I'm just, I'm not buying in that this was a things are fixed, get right kind of game because I got to see it. At this point, the Tennessee Titans have not earned, the players have not earned the benefit of the doubt that they could put together on-field performances in back-to-back weeks that, make them look competent, that make them look like they care, that make them look like a good team. What, how do you feel about the use of a get-right game, and how do you feel about this team's... Are you kind of like with me? Because I kind of feel like you are. It's just like, prove it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not buying anything with this team. Coming off of a win, a seven-point win at home against the Panthers, where they had to hang on in the second half uh to to beat Carolina who then turned around and fired their coach because of the performance um i'm not buying anything with this team as far as like actually becoming a good team and winning games like i people were putting stuff on twitter about this team making a run to the playoffs and stuff and i'm like whoa, to be fair, whoa. This, that game 
against the, the Panthers is at the same point where they started their losing streak last year. So okay, there could be okay, okay. a winning streak happening. You know how the NFL is? It's funny uh, about its numbers and its streaks, but it I'm not going to believe it. It can't. I mean, it's theoretically possible, but I, I really need to see a whole lot more than a seven point win against a terrible Panthers team. And look, the Colts. Here's an idea on the Colts. The Colts have been starting Gardner Minshew most of the year at this point, right? Um, they've had they've had a lot of Zach Moss in there too, and not not a lot of Jonathan Taylor. You know, the Colts have scored at least twenty points in ten of their eleven games this year. Uh, the only one that they didn't was that London game against uh, uh, the Patriots, or, or no, that was Germany. That was in Germany. Yeah. Germany. Um, that was the only game where they haven't scored 20 points this year. You know how many times the Titans scored 20 points this year? Three times, <laughs> three times. So I, I just, I'm not buying that the Titans are going to suddenly, uh, you know, figure things out and go on this heater. Um, the Colts are a better team than the Titans. It's just point blank. They are. Um, they're better on the offensive line by a lot. Uh, Bernard Raymond, unfortunately is, has turned out to be a really nice, uh, pick for for the Colts at tackle, um, and that has kind of righted a lot of their offensive line issues because now they have two good tackles again, right? Like when they lost Anthony Costanzo, that was when their team really fell apart. Like that was that was the the linchpin for the Colts going from like a ten and six, eleven and five team that was competing for the division and was like a real pain in the ass to completely being terrible. Um, was losing Sanzo. Now that they've got another, you know, their tackle situation fixed, they're good. They're like they're good again. I, and and even Gardner Mishu can step in and that, like currently have them with the eighth scoring offense in the entire NFL right now. They're averaging twenty four point five points per game. That would be like a season high for the Titans. Uh, is their average? So the Colts are a better a better team than the Titans. Could the Titans win the game? Sure, it's possible they could turn them over. Uh, they could have some balls bounce their way. Will Levis could get the, the deep ball heated up again. It could happen. I'm not believing anything that this is a fixed team or that this is suddenly a team that is a any any way a remote threat to the playoffs until they string together like two or three of these games in a row. I, I'm with you. Like, fool me once, shame on you. You know, I'm not getting fooled by this team after I thought that they were going to go really far and they, they fell flat on their face. Like, prove it that's that's where i'm at with this team is like jalen duncan left tackle the future i'm open to the idea sure maybe prove it. yeah yeah prove yeah. it uh traylon burks is back at practice today it's being announced that he is back at practice after kenmore sports said that it was likely that he was going to be gone for the season so that's why you should not listen to kenmore sports who and i and i will say this about kenmore sports is that i have uh, a listener of the show bonafide bro um put out a tweet um if i could find it which i'm probably not going to be able to but it said something along the lines of and this is why ken moore is becoming one of the more trusted sources in titans media don't know where that come from and why that is but not looking good for ken moore sports credibility but he's come back and speaking to prove it Traylon burks has to prove it like yeah. that's a guy that has to prove it because uh we were talking last uh, last week, and we were talking about me and Braden. We we're talking about questions that the Titans have answered, and I and we broke it down by um, by position. And I said at wide receiver, they have to draft one. They have to draft a wide receiver. 
and in the first two rounds. Like they just have to draft a wide receiver. And he kept bringing up Traylon Burks as a weapon for 2024. Let's think about it. If you have, if you bring DeAndre Hopkins back and you have Kyle Phillips and then you bring, and then you got Traylon Burks and then you add draft, like, why are we even bringing Traylon Burks in this conversation? Until he proves it, he is not in the realm. You cannot rely on 2024 Traylon Burks. No. That does not mean that he can't do something, but these are guys that have to prove it, right? Like, yeah. Chico Conquo had a really nice game. He has to prove they could have two nice games. And maybe he's just turning into a second half kind of player. Like he's going to suck the first, you know, eight games, and but he'll be good in the last 10 or something like that. But these guys have to prove it. And I think the only people that proved that they are your 2024 building blocks 100%, and they're varying degrees of this. I think Josh Wiley has proved he could be relied upon. I think Tajay Spears could be relied upon. Not saying they can be like sole starters and RB1 tight end one, but they are guys that you can have. Yeah. Will Levis, Peter Skaronsky. Yeah. I think Jalen Duncan is trending upward. While, and Chica Conquo's right, Conquo is kind of right now like treading water, sort yeah. of. Might be starting uh, to ride the ship a little bit. Yeah, maybe he's going to ride the ship, but I can't trust Traylon Burks. Kyle Phillips I could trust as long as he stays healthy. I can't trust Traylon Burks. And I don't think anybody should in the realm of possibility. I don't think anybody should realistically ever believe in Traylon Burks based on what we have seen. I thought you were going to say any Titans wide receiver. (laughs) (laughs) Now, listen, concussions are something that he cannot control. But injuries are part of what makes you a reliable target. They make you, are you going to be able to play a game without getting hurt? The more concussions that you have, the more prone you are to them. Not saying that you just like, you know, throw them away like a, like a, you got Buzz Lightyear coming in and you're throwing away Woody or whatever, but you can't rely on it, right? Like, no, you don't, like, he back. doesn't. He doesn't stop you from going and drafting a Malik Neighbors, for example. Like, right? Like, if, if you're in position to go get Malik Neighbors, go get him. Like, you're not the fact that you've got DeAndre Hopkins for one more year and then Traylon Burks, you know, coming back, supposedly maybe healthy. Um, you know, even if Kyle Phillips shows anything down the stretch, none of those guys have shown anything close to what, what you would be getting out of a guy like Malik Neighbors or, or, you know, I know other people like Keon Coleman or um, uh, Roma Dunze. Um, there's a lot of good receivers in this draft, and the Titans should try to find one. Uh, they've obviously got to find a tackle as well, and we've talked about that. But there's so many. This this is one of those things where, like, when we start talking about the draft next year, I, there's not, uh, like, a single player or a single position group on this roster where I feel like Titans can't use anybody there. They They're really set. <laughs> right. Um, like unless you're going to go like micro, like punter, um, yeah, you know, go like punter or uh, left guard, they don't need a left guard, (laughs) right? Right, yeah, yeah, they could use a guard, they just don't need a left one. Um, but yeah, it's uh, this this team has so many holes that that you really like it kind of frees you up in the draft because you can literally just go best player available every round and you're going to hit on a a need, you know, like (laughs) they need everything. Uh, Mike, I've been, I, I'm normally not on Reddit, but there was a thread that got posted up on Reddit and I'm going to, I want to, we're going to get into the Colts game a little bit more, but I, I just, it just hit me and I wanted to bring this up. Uh, you have people on Reddit complaining that you post too many ads on Facebook, uh, or on Twitter. Um, 
and and I agree. I, okay. I you guys and you posting up all these same shirts, these shitty shirt sites that you guys are all like whatever pyramid scheme you guys have been are a part of. You Jimmy, I think Sean Calderon's doing it. Uh, you know, a couple of you guys are like, I, what, what's up with these pyramid schemes you guys got going on? Like, I mean, did you, did you guys fall into gambling debt and you're trying to repay it back by promoting um, fanguys.com shirt of the week deal? No, no it is. Um, it's as simple as this. Uh, I get paid money for just retweeting that shit. Uh, and I am not going to pass up money for something that takes, takes me 0.2 seconds to do. So if you guys want to pay me to not do that, um, I will consider your offer. Uh, just let me know. It was just funny. Cause I, uh, you know, I just, I saw it on, I was like, Oh, he is posting a lot. And cause you see him what, like every, like, I guess well, they, you all do them at the same time. Well, is- they, they send us the stuff that they want us to retweet and we retweet it. Yeah. Um, so it all comes out at the same time. And it, it, there are going to be a lot of them during the holiday season because that's when they won't promote their shit and whatever. Y'all just going to have to get over it. I, I'm sorry. If you want to unfollow me because of that, be my guest. But I'm not going to pass up free free cash for retweeting uh, some, some fucking sales. I mean, go, or go buy some shit. They're, they're all, there's like some good shit on sale, too. I don't know. I, I don't it see It all looks like shit. It's like a... Um, Justin Mello fanatics. 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 Oh, is it? I don't. I, it didn't even look uh, like a fanatic set. It looks very cheap. It looks like a bot. You know, has infiltrated my timeline to yeah, tell me to spend I money can, on this gambling debt. I can carnage. You can pay me to retweet your OnlyFans. We can. We can talk price. Just, just DM me. I will. Uh, I will give you my price, and I'll. I'll. I'll take. I'll take money to retweet anything. I, I have no real morals in this. In this Twitter game. Uh man, I was fucking gonna say something, and then you you got me off uh, track here. Um, Bama Brad man, wants to organize a protest or a, a boycott of me, where you all unfollow me so I don't get paid anymore, which is fine by me. I, honestly, yeah. it would probably make my life a lot, a lot nicer if I didn't fucking see Twitter every day. Yeah, it just doesn't. It um, God dang, man, I had something really <laughs> only good. OnlyFans? Were you going to talk about OnlyFans? No, it's something before <laughs> you you busted in like the Kool-Aid man with the OnlyFans uh, stuff. Um, I'll have to try to remember, see if I can remember to think about it. Let's talk about this Colts game a little bit more. What do you expect that the Titans actually carry over from the Panthers' victory over into this? Do you, mm. do you expect to see high-level energy? Do you expect to see, you know... Pass rush still going strong. I mean, like, what do you realistically expect from either the offense or defense to carry over besides the bad stuff? <laughs> I mean, the bad stuff's going to be there regardless. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of think that there could be a little bit more energy, a little bit better positive vibe. Uh, you know, having gotten a win and and being at home and and all that. And and look, they're going to be at home for a while, right? Like that, I think for their last six games are, are at home. Um, so that's nice. Like that, that helps certainly. Um, so I think it's going to be, I think you'll probably see a spirited Titans team. I think they'll compete. I think they'll be, you know, up for the challenge. I just don't know that they're going to be talent wise, able to hang with the Colts as sad as that is. To say. <laughs> Can you imagine saying that heading into the season? Like, 
Oh man, yeah. I would never have thought that at the beginning of this season at all. I mean, same with the Texans now. Like, yeah. and even the and I'll be like, okay, well they can they may split with the Jaguars or something. And now you're just yeah. kind of lucky. Just don't embarrass yourself. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm with you. So this is what I was gonna say. So this is really talk about the OnlyFans and shirts that you guys think. It's like when Mello got into the chat and he wanted us to to um, retweet. For him, this Guy Ferrari chicken Titan shirt that he put out there, and it was like on a plain white T-shirt, poorly, crudely drawn, and it was like something about Flavor Town and all this stuff. And I'm like, I am not retweeting that because that no. is a disgusting shirt that should never be released out in public and sold. Nobody should buy that fucking shirt. So if I'm Guy Ferrari wants to pay me to do that, I will retweet it. Yeah, that, that is. Yeah, I'm not, that's I'm not my doing that. Yeah, I'm not helping Mello unless he's cutting me some of that that Guy Ferrari chicken shit shirt money. <laughs> Whatever that fucking that was a is a monstrosity. It was the ugliest is I have seen some ugly shirts. I know people like certain companies that make uh Titans related paraphernalia. I think all their stuff is kind of basic. But I that was the worst shirt I have ever seen that was Titans related in my life. Horrible. Yeah, no. And it looked like it was made on like a beefy T Haynes shirt. Like it wasn't even didn't even look comfortable. I hope Mello got a lot of milk bag money for that. Yeah, he, he better have. Um, <laughs> I, I and you know I I'm with you. Like this team has been so disappointing. It's it's I know it's Colts Revenge Week. And listen, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit closer to the draft, or maybe maybe next week or something about this idea of like you you should you can root for your team to win, but secretly you probably need a like that they lose at this point, but it is the Colts, right? It is the Texans it is the Jags. Like I want the Titans. Ultimately, I want to watch a team look competent or make the other team look bad enough that you win. Like it's, that's essentially what they have to do, right? The Tennessee Titans have to go out here and make the Colts offense look worse than their offense. <laughs> like, like they have to go out there and make them look like crap. And then you're going to turn around, you got the Dolphins coming up. That's not really going to work, right? Like, that's going to be a, a hell of a game for defensive pass interference for Christian Fulton. I mean, he's going to go crazy with those, trying to keep up with Tyreek Hill and Jalen yeah. Waddle. Yeah, that's going to be... But at this point, I just don't want to watch bad football. Like, the, even in a win... That was a bad football game against the Panthers. That was a terribly boring, terribly executed by all parties involved on the field game plan. Like, or game. I am, I just want to watch a good game, even if it ends up being 17 to 10, at least make it look good. Like, make it look fun. And I just don't know if that's going to be there for the Colts this year or this week. Give someone. We got. Let's be positive. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's try. I'm trying to think of a good way to be positive. So, the Tennessee Titans facing the Colts. What is one positive thing that's not the punter or the kicker that you think everybody needs to be watching? Like besides the continued development of Will Levis, give someone a good matchup. Like whether it's like, um, I don't know you know, Jeffrey Simmons versus Quentin Nelson or something like that. Let's give the people something to watch for that. They maybe when it's, you know, 35 to five in the second quarter, they can at least watch something of note. 
Um, yeah, I think Simmons Nelson is always like a box office matchup for those who enjoy uh, interior offensive line and defensive line play. I think that's a great matchup. I, I'm personally looking forward to Roger McCreary versus Josh Downs because I'm pretty sure McCreary was out the first time these teams played, if I remember correctly. Um, I'd have to double check that, but uh, Downs has been good for the Colts. Um, McCreary has been good in the slot, especially for the Titans. Um, I'm interested to see that matchup. And then, uh, yeah, I would go, obviously, Jalen Duncan versus, uh, is Quiddy Pay playing or is he out? I can't remember now. Um, but versus whoever the Colts are going to end up throwing out there on, on the edge from a pass rush standpoint, continuing to watch what Jalen Duncan can do um, will be interesting. And then I also think Zaire Franklin versus Derrick Henry is 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 a good physical matchup as well. Zaire Franklin's been excellent for the Colts, and and obviously Henry's a load himself. Um, Franklin got the play. better of that. Oh, he did. He did play, but he only allowed two catches for two uh, for nineteen yards. Okay, uh, against Josh and Downs. Fulton, well, Josh Downs uh, yeah, blew up Fulton was, for thirty eight yeah. yards. Blew up Jack Gibbons for twenty five. Yeah, so yeah, they, they he got free against zone um, more often than than the man matchup with McCreary. But I, either way, I'll be interested to see when they do get matched up, how that goes. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's some good matchups, and I do think watching like from a, a rooting standpoint, I the best case scenario for the Titans, as unrealistic as it may be, is that they they do just fucking rattle off uh, six straight wins to end the season and make the playoffs. And Will Levis is, is balling and all and Traylon Burks comes back and looks like green Bay Traylon Burks uh, for the next six weeks. And, and you know, I, I don't expect these things to happen, but am I rooting for them to happen? Of course. Cause it would be great if some of those guys showed signs of life, it would be great if the Titans found like some young guys on this roster that could play. Like if Kyle Phillips started making some plays again, uh, if Jiga Conquo can build on on his like decent performance last week, um, that's great news if they can do that. So I, I think that's what I would be rooting for if I'm a Titans fan. Um, and look, if you end up losing and you end up with a top seven pick, then that's great too. But um, yeah, I mean, at this point, you kind of know what what your team is, and and I think it kind of takes some of the it honestly kind of takes some of the stress off of watching the game because yeah. like. Hey, if they or lose, dread. they lose. I, I have, I have dread. Yeah. yeah, maybe a little bit of apathy when I watch Titans games right now. But it's just like, uh, yeah, my mine's three been, hours of my day down the fucking drain. <laughs> mine's mostly apathy, and I, I did something this past weekend that was the first time I've done this in forever. Is why I wasn't tweeting at all during the game. I was like busy getting my son down to nap uh, for the entire first half. Um, so I watched it. I just got caught up on the DVR and was fast forwarding through commercials and timeouts and shit like that. And I didn't get caught up to like right at the end of the game. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I barely, I didn't even like really watch it live this week, which is the first time I probably haven't done that in about six years. Um, so. Yeah. To me, it's going to be like, how do they move around Josh Downs and can the Titans prevent the X plays because they're, they're, they're not very good at preventing X plays and, and part of that's Christian Fulton and the miscommunication. And listen, Josh Downs does a really good job getting off the line. He does a really good job exploiting bad coverage and zones. So the, to me, I'm with you. Roger McCreary versus 
Josh Downs is a big matchup. Yeah, they got I they almost, you know, really, I mean, I'm not too worried about Alec Pierce, right? I'm not too worried about Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman's kind of like just like a a reliable guy, but they seem to do pretty well against Michael Pittman when they play. He never really goes really off on them. So to me, it's like, is Josh Downs the guy that you take away? And I think that Josh Downs is the guy that can hurt you the most on this offense out of the pass catchers. And then you got to turn around. I need to see this defense step up. I need to see Tierra Tart, Jeffrey Simmons, these guys swallow Zach Moss hole, make tackles. Aziz Alshair has gotten better as the year goes on. He gets comfortable. Got to see him shoot the gaps. But they also got to make make it easy for these linebackers as, as well. So to me, like, I need to see this defensive line be a – I don't – know if i really care about the pass rush as much as i do about i don't want to see zach moss go for 200 something yards again well, i do not uh, get embarrassed by zach moss i'll, I'll uh, say that this is a to me this is like a, a game where the defense's manhood is challenged because moss yeah. absolutely punked them the first time around and I, to me if i was mike Vrabel, i would be showing cut-ups of zach moss like every day in there just just running over guys well, you saw what he said today right no i'm i missed him today oh in his press conference said zach moss should be licking his chops after the game he had against us last time and that was mike vrabel mike vrabel uh, said that at the press conference today absolutely he should and in the tight in vrabel should be playing that up as much as he can and challenging the defense's you know pride a little bit uh because this is a game that if they see moss again and well i guess they will see moss again at this point because Taylor had surgery. So uh, it's t- it's time for them to show up and, and exact some revenge if they're not going to be uh, – like if this defense has any pride at all, I think you'll see a much better effort and showing from them this week. Speaking of pride, six game uh, for six games, Kevin Byer played for the Tennessee Titans in 2023. For four games, he has played for Philadelphia. He has already eclipsed – by 62 yards, he's allowed 62 more yards in Philadelphia than he did in six games with Tennessee. Mm. He is not having a very good time in Philadelphia, which is a little surprising because I thought that the pass rush and all that would help, but he is getting smoked every week. Fans are fed up over in Philadelphia. Just wanted to say that because speaking of pride, we like to be proud when we were right. We were right about Kevin Byard's decline. Also right that he should have got traded. But just very, very interesting how much he is giving up over in Philadelphia these last few weeks. Ever since he really got there, his first game was the best. He only allowed 35 yards. Then he allowed 71, 68, and 69. Three games where he's allowed a 100% catch rate, by the way. Interesting. Yeah, I I think Bayard, I just think he's lost the foot speed. I, and I don't, he didn't have a ton to begin with. And I think he's lost a step, and I think that, that kills you at that position. Um, yeah, he had the one big play against the Chiefs. Uh, but besides that, he hadn't really done a whole lot in Philly. Uh, so, I yeah. I, I don't – and I also don't think that this defense is like – are they seriously missing him a ton? Um, I, uh, no, to me, Elijah Molden this whole, Elijah Molden this whole season has only allowed 126 yards. 
Now, he's kind of floating around the defense. He's playing a lot of where Kevin Byer played, but he's also playing a lot in the box and doing stuff like that. I, I don't think that you look at this team and you're like, man, I know some people do. I know there's a lot of people do that think that Kevin Byard could, oh, Kevin Byard wouldn't have allowed that, or man, this team really needs Kevin Byard. I think they're missing maybe Kevin Byard's leadership a little bit more, but hey, Kevin Byard was around for that entire losing streak. How'd that leadership really help the team, you know, to be honest with you? I'm sure it helped some, but it didn't like change how the players played on the field. They need leaders, but they need players that are good and leaders. And right now, I mean, Kevin Byard's kind of showing that he's not. And, you know, Will Levis is starting to take a little bit more of a leadership role after being encouraged by Arden Key. And that's good to hear. I think that right now, though, I've really liked what I've seen from Elijah Molden. And I think Elijah Molden and Imani Hooker, those are your safeties going in, your starting safeties going in 2024. If you can upgrade one of them, like Elijah Molden, sure. But I don't think that, like, at the end of the day, they lost nothing with losing Kevin Byard so far from what we've seen from his tenure in the Eagles. Here's here's uh, here's some stats on Kevin Byard. He's already allowed more yards this season than he has in any season in his entire NFL career. 424, his previous career high was 409. Uh, he's going to give up the most targets, and he's already, well, no, he's one away or two away from his uh, previous career high in receptions allowed and passes into his coverage. Uh, so he will get to that. He will get to the target number, uh, which he's only 10 targets away from at this point. Uh, he's given up. He's probably going to end up giving up more yak than he has in his entire uh, career. Um, and he's still sitting at zero PBUs um, for the season. He's got the one well, interception, now, and that's it. He he does have some passes defended and I don't know. That depends was in the on, game a couple weeks on, ago where he had the interception. It depends on who you who you go off of because PFF yeah. has him for zero pass breakups, right? And PFF has that. him for two or three. Okay, uh, yeah. I mean there, and and that interception was such a easy interception that anybody could have made because that was a terrible throw. So like I'm just saying, like and, I, I mean, don't know. By the way, this, two this would also are, be his. It's going to be his career low in pass breakups too. Regardless, yeah. Which yeah, so yeah. far this team has done, I think it, they could have done better. But I think the choices that they have made so far, like I think they could should have traded Derrick Henry. They should have probably tried to trade a little bit harder Ryan Tannehill. But I think for the most part, outside of Andre Dillard, they've had a pretty good offseason. They've kind of been calling it right when getting rid of some of these aging veterans, Jarrell Casey, uh, back in the day. So I don't know, like. Everybody can say that Howie Roseman won won it the the trade, but right now I think most Eagles fans would tell you they would rather have the picks than rather have Kevin Byer. Yeah, I don't think Byer's been great there. So it, we'll see. Like, I mean, maybe he turns it on the playoffs or something like that, and has a really big interception game or something like that. But not so far, he has been the same guy he, there that he was here. Um, so which tells you it's, it's not the defense. It's not. You know what they're asking him to do. It's not that Christian Fulton sucks. It's just that Kevin Byard's an older player who's on the decline, which is it happens to literally every player at some point in their career. It's not a it's not a dig against him. It's just a reality of the situation. And, and you know nobody's rooting for that to happen. But when it starts to happen, it's better to be realistic about it than it is to put your head in the sand and try to blame everyone else uh, around him rather than just acknowledging the most logical explanation, which is that he's older and he's getting slower and, and those things are starting to show up on tape. 
Well, that will do it for us. Football and other F-words, sponsored by Bluegrass Beverages. Holidays are coming up. Go get you a gift card. Go get you some booze so you can tolerate your family. Just do it in advance. Like, don't wait till Christmas Eve to try to go out to liquor stores and, and stock up. Go now to Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and get you... I, I went uh, I went over to a, um, a Friday brunch or br- breakfast for dinner uh, recently at a friend's house, um, and I got... I went to Bluegrass Beverages, got myself some uh, pre-mixed margarita and tequila uh, for Lauren. I got myself some beer for me, and I got some uh, two eight-packs of seltzers and a winter IPA for the host. And, you know, really, like it's it's easy to get in there, easy to get out. Everybody's friendly. Everybody's helpful. Everybody's quick at their job. So go to Bluegrass Beverages where I shop. Hendersonville, Tennessee, and if you can't make it out to Hendersonville, go to Sinker's Beverage in East Nashville. For Mike Herndon, who wrote a piece on, who wrote like, he was the fifth person to write a film piece on Jalen Duncan this week. Uh, you gotta, you gotta get your stuff out a little bit earlier. We gotta work on that, because you're, you are the, you're number five, but hey. Uh, I write on, I write on, I write on Wednesdays, it's not gonna change. I, I cannot get to it any quicker than that, based on when the film actually comes out, so. Uh, but it is the best, most in-depth piece out there with uh, all the stuff that you need to watch about Jalen Duncan to know that no matter what someone may say, Jalen Duncan had a better day than Dylan Radins. On top of that, paulkarski.com. Stackinginbox.com. We have a piece that uh, Trey wrote today that is making people mad about why you should be rooting for the Titans to lose. Uh, it's got PK in his mentions. It's, it's really fantastic. But it's really a good talk to have. Uh, we got some film stuff coming out this week as well. Stackinginbox.com, paulkarski.com. Um, for Mike Kernan at Mike Kernan NFL, or you can follow him on uh, Shirt Slut 69 <laughs> on X as well. Uh, that's what you need. You need a separate uh, burner account, which I think you do, right? Didn't I expose your <laughs> burner account earlier that today? Was- that was not my burner, actually. I it would have been a great idea, but it that, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I mean, I like that the burner admitted had to create a burner for this. Who does he have blocked out of the people that he tagged? I don't know. Account? Yeah, I don't know why he did that. That's that's really odd. That's really odd. Uh, but for the shirt whore, I'm Zach Lines. You follow me on X at Fwords Pod. This has been football and other F words, and you have just been F'd.